0: Welcome to That Mom Life. I'm Sarah Jordan. And today I am very excited to welcome a fellow media guest. This is Elizabeth Woolsey, who you may have known from WDRB, the Fox affiliate here in Louisville. She has been there for how many years were you there? Hi, Sarah. About 22 years at WDRB. So 22 years. So the familiar face and you and I have crossed paths multiple times. I don't think people realize that like when you're in the media, you get, you end up at a lot of the same events together or you're like co-emceeing things or different charity functions. So I'm so glad that I finally got to get you on the podcast.
1: I know. It's so great to join you and talk to some fellow moms out there. And yeah, I don't think people realize we're competitors, but it's a friendly competition and we're friends too. So we do run into each other at all kinds of events outside of work and get to know each other. And it's been that way, honestly, since I got in this business about 28 years ago.
0: So you have been in Louisville TV for 22 years, but let's rewind back a little bit more in case people don't, well, why would they know your whole story? So where did you
1: grow up? Where are you from? I'm from Springfield, Missouri, which is the southwest corner of Missouri. People might be familiar with Branson as a landmark that's near my hometown. It's about 30 minutes away. So I grew up in southwest Missouri and a lot of my family is still there today. And that's actually where I got my start in TV news. I did an internship at a local station that I grew up watching. And I fell for the world's oldest intern. I think I was 24 at the time, but
0: that's where it all started. Do you have any siblings?
1: I do. I have a brother who's four years younger and he still lives in Missouri. He still lives in Springfield and works at Missouri State University. So I got to see him a couple of weeks ago and That was great. Great.
0: Did anyone else in your family ever take the path of being in the media? No, I'm the first and only one to take that path. I know you were saying you were the oldest intern at 24. Mm -hmm. Is this the path that you always thought you would take or did you have a different path first?
1: Yes, I had a much different path actually. When I, I initially planned to go to law school, my grandfather was an attorney and had his own firm in Springfield for many years. And I was always interested in law. I got to school. I actually went to Missouri, went to Mizzou, which ironically is a great journalism school, but that's not the path I took in college. I ended up becoming a political science major. Instead of law school, I decided to pursue a career in politics, not because I wanted to run for office I was interested in, working behind the scenes. So I did internships in college for senators and the state attorney general and ended up moving out to Washington, D.C. right after college and hit the pavement for about six weeks straight until I got a job, landed a job on Capitol Hill and loved that working for a congressman from New Jersey. So that was exciting and fun to be young and living in D.C. and after a couple of years of seeing how things worked, I decided that wasn't for me either. Um, journalism had already had been somewhat of an interest. I had friends who pursued that path in college, went through the J School at Mizzou, and I decided to move back home and see if that was something I wanted to pursue. I loved writing and current events and news. I grew up watching the news in my hometown of Springfield. So I was always interested in that and decided to try an internship. Some people discouraged that and said, you really need to go back to school and get a degree in journalism. And I thought, well, I just want to feel my way through this first and see if it is something I want to pursue and we'll go from there. So I worked at a bank to pay the bills during the day and then went to KY3 at night and on weekends and went out with reporters and photographers and kind of learned the business from the ground up and loved it immediately.
0: You know, I I don't, I think people, everyone obviously says in college, get an internship. And people are like, yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's kind of one of those, just check the box, get your credits in so you can graduate. But for you and I both, we share that similarity of that, an internship can change the game as far as getting your foot in the door. Absolutely.
1: And we both know in this business, it's a pretty small world and everybody always says, don't burn any bridges in this business because you're going to cross paths with everybody again. And that has proven to be so true. (laughs) Not that you want to burn any bridges to begin with, but it is a small industry when you get right down to it. And honestly, yes, that is the advice I always give to people even in high school that are thinking about a career in this business because it gives you that real-world experience. You get to go out with the reporters. We see people for two minutes on the news looking their best. It looks glamorous and maybe easy to those who are just watching the news every day, but it it's difficult and it's a lot of hard work. And doing an internship and working your way up through the trenches can weed out the people who aren't really serious about it and don't love it really quickly.
0: You know, I always tell people that if you assume my job is really easy, that means I'm doing my job because I'm making it seem that way. Right. And... I think when you do start up as an intern and of course, not making anything for money <laughs> um, right. and it takes a long time to get to what it is. People assume the media is a very glamorous industry, which I, I guess there is a glamorous side if it's like Derby week or something. Um, but I mean, other than that, I mean, it's very, very hard and it's so small, like you said. And then people know people around the country. Mm-hmm. It's not just in that town. Like People know people around the country. And I always say that to people in high school and college as well, or when they do become interns, I'm like, it is very clear from the beginning, which interns are truly passionate about this, which ones are truly willing to put in the effort and then want to get a job and then want to stick it out. And it is one of those things in the media field that I feel like you can recognize pretty quickly, even just in an internship.
1: Oh, absolutely. I remember back in the early days when I was beginning in this industry, and it's changed since then in many ways. But I was by myself, did not have a photographer. I was carrying around about 50 pounds of gear, driving hours every day to cover a really wide area um, near Joplin, Missouri, which is a really small market where I got my start actually on the air but yeah it's it's a lot of hard work you're a photographer you're a reporter and maybe an anchor and a producer all in the same day so it's yeah it's not for the faint of heart
0: and exactly that goes back to what people don't realize is that you're not just the reporter you did every single part of that process to get that story and it may even show up like you said just a 2 minute story on TV but that 2 minute story could have taken you Four hours.
1: <laughs> Absolutely. Or more.
0: Right. So as you started as an intern in Missouri, did you end up working for the station you were an intern for? I did not. I actually went
1: to a smaller market to get my true start. My internship at KY3 was great. And I got to work with some seasoned journalists that i had grown up watching and loved it and really learned The business from them. I ended up getting my first job as a production assistant, so I wasn't even on the air. And that's another piece of advice I would give anybody who wants to get a start in this business. Get your foot in the door. Maybe it's an internship and you end up starting at that very station, which is great. We've actually had people do that at at WDRB. I ended up getting a job about an hour away in it was a Joplin, Pittsburgh, Kansas market. So it was, we covered several different States and my job was to run the studio camera. And I joke about it because I nearly got fired from that job. Who knows where I would be today because I was so busy watching the anchors. I wasn't listening to the director telling me in the ear to move this huge heavy camera around and get the shot of the weather person or the anchor and I was so focused on their job because that was what I aspired to that I I almost didn't get a good start in this business. I almost got fired from uh, the studio camera operator.
0: You know, and that's part of the thing about what makes the industry small is that a lot of times you do have to go to smaller markets. And then, like you said, you start getting that experience to work your way back up to the bigger markets. And as you do that, you start to get to know people and you work your way through. I was an intern in Louisville after my freshman year of college. And I was one of those strange cases in which I did stay in the same market. But I'm pretty sure I've done every single job in the building from like the tiniest, lowest man on the totem pole up in demand management. And the only way I could continue to do that was I just kept moving my way, moving my way. And it's it takes a while and it's not something that's overnight whatsoever. I mean, you clearly had to build to your 22 year long career here in Louisville.
1: Yeah. And I think it's so valuable actually to get that experience of every job as you're navigating and trying to climb the ladder and move up to whatever you aspire to do. It, it gives you good perspective and respect for what the other positions are because you're all working together to put this product on the air. So I think it's valuable in so many ways. Not only do you have the perspective and respect of what everybody else's job is because you've actually done them, I think it makes you just a better, more well-rounded reporter or anchor in the long
0: run. And I think it's important. I totally agree with you. When it comes to media in general, and yes, for other companies too, but everyone there represent, represents a bigger brand and down from the primetime news anchor to the camera operator. Well, if the camera operator messes up or a producer messes up, it you guys affect each other in Absolutely. every which way, shape, and form, which is why it's so important to understand where everyone's coming from, to understand that even though you may be one of the lowest men on the totem pole, you still affect the brand just as much as the star player. Absolutely. And that's such a vital piece of advice, I think, for people to <laughs> remember is that you all affect each other, work together. <laughs> Absolutely. And although you may aspire to be
1: a reporter or an anchor, there's so much value in every job that you might do as you're working towards your goals. Because yeah, like you said, every single person has the same value to the finished product and getting that on the air. At what point did you meet your husband? We actually met, um, he was a newspaper reporter and I was a reporter after I left Joplin I moved to Fayetteville, Arkansas and worked as a reporter, did a little anchoring there too. And we met out on a story about Tyson Chicken of all (laughs) funny things. Um, They're headquartered there and he was out shooting pictures for the newspaper. And I noticed him and he noticed me. I thought, oh, that guy's kind of cute. And my photographer that day happened to know him. And he said, oh, my gosh, we'll have to all, you know, we've talked about that. It's a small world. Everybody kind of gets together and goes out and spends time together on the weekend. So we ended up going out on a date. And about the time we started dating, I ended up getting a job in another market where I was going to become a full-time anchor. So that's another thing in this business. You have to be willing to to move around a lot. And at that point, Mm -hmm. I didn't have anything tying me down. So I was willing to go anywhere. But So we really clicked and hit it off quickly, saw each other every day. Then I moved away after about six weeks of dating. So we did long distance for about a year. And then I ended up moving back to Arkansas. So we would be closer together and... So I've moved around a lot, but that's how we met. He's in a completely different industry now, but he was a newspaper photographer and I was a reporter at the time. So,
0: Okay. So he does have a completely different job now. He's no longer in the media? That, correct. He
1: works for Texas Roadhouse, actually.
0: Oh, wonderful. Yeah. So you guys met then. Your, your career had already begun. And so you guys met and how long did you guys date before you guys ended up getting married? Oh gosh, that
1: was a long. It was about a six-year process, (laughs) and it was actually my move here to Louisville. My husband had never lived outside of his hometown. When I got this job in Louisville, that kind of spurred the the process. So that kind of got the wheels turning, and we got engaged, and he ended up moving out here, and it ended up working out great. But it took him a while—six years.
0: You know, I do think because of the media, too, you're right. I mean, it is hard because whether or not you're moving or there was long distance or it's not the average job where, I mean, I guess everyone could possibly travel for work or have to move to another city. But I mean, in the media, it is insanely common that you're going to have to leave at some point to take another job. And so I could see a longer dating time during that period.
1: (laughs) Yeah. You know, my family always thought that was so crazy too. If you're not in this business, you don't always understand it. And my family could not understand why I was moving every year or two years. And I thought, no, this is a good thing. This is, this is a move up. This is positive.
0: Exactly. So you guys moved to Louisville. I mean, were you working for a similar company or did you know somebody in Louisville again, back to the small industry and they called you and said, Hey, there's an opening. It was actually a friend from
1: home whose husband knew that I was looking for a job. I had visited them here in in Louisville um, to go to the Kentucky Derby and we were good friends. They reached out to me and said, Hey, there's a station in Louisville getting ready to start a morning show. You might want to apply. So that's how I learned about it.
0: Okay. So you moved here. And so you weren't, you had been to Louisville then, obviously, you just said you had been to the Derby prior to moving yeah. here for a job. I just actually uncovered
1: as I was looking through old pictures over my 22 years here, I found some pictures of that first Kentucky Derby, much different experience than what I've done working um, at WDRB. We were actually in the infield. So that, that's, it was an, it was a fun day. <laughs>
0: I'm sure. You know it's fun that you actually get to go to the derby and not work the derby, unlike every other year after that. So that's awesome. So you set up camp here in Louisville and you began your journey at Box 41. And how longer? How long until you and your husband started having kids? Because you must have been here when you had your kids. We
1: were, yeah. And actually, early on in our marriage, we were both just very career driven, and. Waited several years before we even thought about having a family. I was probably the one that dragged my feet a little more on that because I really just wanted to focus on my career. And I thought, you know, I want to be 100% ready once it's time to have kids. So once I decided I was 100% ready, I thought, well, okay, now we're going to get. I'm one of those people that when I decide I'm going to do something, I find a way to make it happen. This was something that didn't happen according to plan didn't get pregnant. And it took, after several years, we started pursuing actually fertility treatment because it just didn't happen on its own. And then I really regretted having waited as long as we did. So that was a pretty difficult, painful journey, as anyone who goes through that knows, of navigating through that process and it honestly, we had wonderful doctors and I have nothing but the highest praise for them. It didn't actually end up working for us. So we started pursuing the adoption path, went to Texas to a, um, uh, Gladney house, a wonderful adoption agency and were literally getting ready to, this is going to sound terrible, but adoption can be an expensive process if you do it. Oh. It's so
0: expensive
1: (laughs) adoption. So we were getting ready to make our down payment for this adoption that you don't get back. We were excited about it, thrilled about it, in fact. And then I found out I had gotten pregnant before we actually took that step, like days before we took that step.
0: Naturally. Yes. Yeah. It's so crazy to me because you hear these stories about people trying to get pregnant, trying to get pregnant, and then they whether they do fertility treatments or not. And then the second when they either go to do a fertility treatment or like you said, adoption, you get pregnant naturally. I mean, that is such a miracle then. So you got pregnant with your first after fertility treatments not working. And I actually just, well, but when this airs, it'll have been last week. It was infant loss awareness day. And I had several friends who have struggled uh, with or not struggled. They've experienced infant loss. And I had a friend of mine make this long post about her journey with fertility treatment after fertility treatment. And basically nothing's working. And I think it's just something that not a lot of women do talk about, but it's becoming more and more prevalent of people talking about it. And it's just crazy the journey sometimes you go through when you think, oh, I'm going to have kids now. This is according to my plan. And then that's the part that no one ever expects.
1: That's exactly right. And it's even more difficult, I think, for people who are control freaks. And like you said, this is not going according to plan. What's happening here? And there are only you know certain things that you can do to control it. And once fertility treatments don't work, then it's early time to go to plan B. Um, So, yeah, although that didn't work for us, I I have several friends that have have had success with that, which is great and such a blessing. I think for whatever reason, it didn't work for us, but it is such a difficult journey. It's depressing and just leads you down a path. Just the failure after failure, when maybe you're not used to that, is very difficult and out of your control. And I can really sympathize with anyone going through that because it's so difficult, but I feel like it is important to share it. And I wish I had been more open at the time because I found that when people were vulnerable with me and would share that, I thought, wow, I had no idea so many other people were going through this at that time. And it was so helpful to me to have that support.
0: I mean, I have been very fortunate not to have experienced that but when I was, we started working with the Kentucky Fertility Institute as a client. Mm. And when they were like one in eight women experienced fertility issues, I was like one in eight. Right. And then more and more of my friends and also due to, I think, social media, giving people more of a platform or a vo- place to voice. Um, I started seeing it so much more and even as i've done this podcast i've run into so many more people that have done fertility treatments and all of this these different things again it's just it's so much more prevalent and you're right i think when people can get vulnerable with somebody else they feel maybe less like a failure and more like oh this is something that's happening to other people right and you can
1: just share resources and advice that way about things that are helping motivate you keep you going specialists you might want to talk to. We even tried acupuncture at one point because people kept saying you get so stressed out and worked up and anxious about this that can prevent this from working. So I think just having a support system and learning about all the different resources out there and maybe something you weren't aware of is so helpful. And yeah, social media, there are so many benefits to that. And that is one great thing it does is connect people with shared interests or situations.
0: What was, did you have similar issues when you went to get pregnant the second time? No, actually
1: that was a complete surprise. We didn't think we would be able to have any more children and we're perfectly happy with our oldest son, Samuel and Number two was a complete surprise. <laughs> I thought, gosh, am I just gaining weight? What's going on here? I was trying on clothes one day, visiting my mom in Missouri. And I thought, hmm, maybe I'll just take a pregnancy test just on a, on a lark. And sure enough, I was I 14 weeks pregnant.
0: <laughs> oh my gosh. Yes. <laughs> so what's the age difference then between your two boys? About 19 months. So it was then it was that's fast in between as far as like, are they two years apart in school or just one?
1: Two years apart. So I have it. one's in sixth grade and one's in eighth grade. And it's actually been great because they're very close. But that was that was shocking.
0: I the, our third was the shocking one. My husband's like, yeah. "You're pregnant," and I was like, "No, I'm not. No, I'm not." Like I was so adamant that I was absolutely not. When so many other times I was like, "Oh, maybe I am," and then I took the test and I was like, "See, it's going to be negative." And then I looked at it and it was like, "You're pregnant," and I was like, ah! "Oh my gosh, yeah!" Isn't that a moment? <laughs> Oh, it is. And like my husband's wandering around, like smiling, huge, like wandering around the house and I'm just standing there sobbing because I'm like, what is happening to my body again? Yeah, in complete shock. I mean, you're just trying to get through the day at that point. <laughs> yeah, it, exactly. It, yeah. You're in survival
1: mode and then you get the news. Yeah. Yeah.
0: So what was it, what was it like being a on-camera TV anchor with two pregnancies then in less than three years? I mean, I luckily in radio, I mean, yes, I can turn on a camera if I want to, but I certainly don't have to be camera ready every day at all. Mm-hmm. You're doing this to thousands of people every day. What was that like for you?
1: You know, I see all these people who walk out of the hospital in their skinny jeans, never even look pregnant except for the little belly. I was not that person. I gained 45 pounds each time. It was very evident from head to toe. I was pregnant. And I was also not one of those people who lost my weight quickly. I remember my doctor saying, no, it took you nine months to put this on. It's going to take nine months to, put, to take it off at least. And it, it took even longer than that for me. So, you know, that was in a in a visual medium. I'd say that that was challenging. <laughs>
0: that was okay. uh, I just have to know, cause I know that I've heard from other friends that have worked in TV. Did you ever get like mean criticism? Oh, absolutely, yeah. And really?
1: Yes, yes. In fact, just um, the day that I made the announcement I was retiring, somebody sent me an email and said, oh my gosh, that is the most awful dress I've ever seen burn that dress don't ever wear it again and i thought i mean you get that people criticize your hair not so much my weight i think you know people were forgiving about that when you're pregnant but it's more the clothes and your hair i think just being in a public job makes people think that it's okay to just criticize you and it's easier to do it i think when you're sitting behind a computer and you're anonymous and you can just sound off and I always thought, gosh, what compels somebody to sit down and and share something like that?
0: That's that's exactly what I'm thinking in my mind. At what point do I sit down on my computer and I think, you know what? She seems like a nice person, but I'm gonna go ahead and let her know that I hate her dress. Right. Like Absolutely. that's just that is never something that I would ever ever say. I'm yeah. so confused by that when I hear the people do that. I mean, I'm glad they never said anything about like pregnancy weight because I am right there with you, especially after baby three, the older I've gotten, the more kids that I've had. I am not one of those women that barely gains weight. I'm with you. I probably gained about 50 pounds each time. And after when I, I've, I've exclusively breastfed all my kids and everyone's like, oh, you'll drop the weight when you breastfeed. Nope. Not even close. I know. In fact, my body holds on to it.
1: I think it made, yes, I think that made me because I did the same thing until they were A year old, and it yes, I think it did the same for me.
0: Like yeah, that's yeah. My body, like again, as opposed, I'm sure it is burning calories at some point, but I swear, like my body is like you need to make this milk. It has to have enough stuff in it, so you need to hold on to all these things. And I've never been able to lose the baby weight until after I stop breastfeeding, and I can just have my body for me. And it's usually around 15 months or so, but it is really hard because you're right. I'm surrounded by not even just what the what the media is putting out there, but I have other friends that I mean, they're bam, they're bounced back. They're like, look at me, I'm in my pre-baby jeans. And I'm like, that's not me.
1: (laughs) I was still wearing maternity jeans probably nine months later. Right.
0: Oh, I mean, I'm almost, uh, my baby will be a month or a year old next month. And I'm over here still wearing like the control tummy top, high waisted jeans. Because I mean, thanks to 2020, I've certainly just been not putting myself together this
1: year. (laughs) I'm right there with you. It is a day to day process. Absolutely. And I don't even have a one year old. (laughs)
0: <laughs> so, you end up having a twenty two career twenty two year career here in Louisville, and you ended up retiring this year, which I remember when I saw that I gasped I was like, oh, Elizabeth's leaving yeah. so what led you down the path of walking away from media? Well, I think honestly,
1: quarantine was super eye opening for me. And really led to that decision we um, I'll dial back just a little bit in two thousand and fourteen. I was anchoring the ten o'clock news, which had been my goal. that was just I loved the hours I loved that newscast that had been my goal. I had worked all my career to achieve that goal and Loved it. Um, I'm a night person too. So those were perfect hours for me. Once you have a family and they're going, the kids are going to school, they're getting home about the time I'm getting off work at three o'clock in the afternoon. My husband's job got more demanding. He was traveling more. We don't have any family in Louisville. We had some great sitters and nannies along the way, but things could, things got more difficult as the kids went back to school with no family here to help. And I needed to really dial back so I could be home in the evenings. I had great support. And then my boss at WDRB. So we worked out a part-time schedule and I went from anchoring the 10 o'clock to the four o'clock news. And that worked great for years. I was able to be home at night with my kids. If my husband traveled, it was not an issue. Um, one of my kids has struggled with some learning difficulties. So we have been addressing that and getting resources and help for several years. And I thought we were in a good place. Quarantine happened and like everybody else we're working and we're becoming teachers as well. So I saw that we weren't where I thought we should be where I really thought we were. So that was probably the most difficult three months of my life, navigating that and seeing how difficult it was for one of my kids and not really being able to give him the help he needed. So that was really the eye opening period where I thought, you know, I really, I need to be hundred percent focused on my family right now. My older son is only gonna be at home for five more years. It really became clear then that I needed to step back and really focus on my family. And it was such a difficult time then. I was the only anchor at some points because we were trying to keep people out of the building as much as we could and social distance when the pandemic began. So I worked, you know, we just have had a lot of, it's been a busy time in Louisville with the civil unrest of the pandemic. So I didn't want to leave my job during such a difficult time, worked through that and um, then ultimately decided it's time. I I wasn't sure how school was going to look. Were we going to go back? Were we going to be homeschooling again or doing online learning? So all those factors combined led me to the decision to take a step back and just be present for my family right now. And uh, it's been really great. I will have to say, one of my kids every day say, Mom, we are so glad to have you home. It's honestly had me in tears some days because they are just so grateful to have me 100% with them.
0: I can only imagine. I mean, you the hours of the of a TV station. Is there anyone that works like a nine to five at the TV station? Uh, you know, there
1: are a few people, but that usually doesn't happen until later in your career. I feel like I spent so many years working weekends, working holidays, <laughs> holidays, or working mornings, getting up at three in the morning, and getting off at noon. The getting off at noon part was great, but that was so hard on my body and it's great for some people, but that was tough for me. Yeah. The hours are very irregular. The days, the holidays you're working. It's, it's unlike any other business in that it's, it can be such a difficult schedule.
0: It doesn't, it doesn't sleep. Uh, There is no, closing hours necessarily no, right. because especially with in tv between whether it's the morning news midday afternoon evenings, late night there's something there in somebody preparing 7 days a week absolutely and it's crazy to me i mean i briefly worked mornings in radio and i was getting up at 3:30 in the morning and stuff like that wow. i don't think people realize how much that hurts your body. Like you just feel like a shell of a human by a certain time of the day. It's like, I don't, I'm not just tired. Like if I don't go to sleep, I'm in physical pain. Like I need to go to sleep. I wasn't thinking clearly. I had a short temper. Yeah. I remember getting in arguments with my husband over, I have no idea. And then I would just fall asleep. I mean, it was, it's so hard. Yeah, that was the most
1: challenging schedule for me personally, especially as a night owl. I'd find myself coming home and taking a four hour nap. So then I have no time to do anything because I'm sleeping four hours in the middle of the night, four hours in the right. afternoon. Yeah, I was a wreck.
0: It's, it's, I, it is it's it is I a very unforgiving schedule oh, yeah. when it comes to what do you do with your sleep. And then when you have kids, I, I know of um, friends of mine that were both in media for different t- Louisville TV stations. And when she started having kids, she was like, how am I going to find a sitter? If we're both in the media, it's not like traditional daycares are open, like to your point of even when you were working part time. If your husband's gone and daycares aren't open at night. What, what are you here? supposed to do? That's right, and we um we were fortunate to just
1: meet people through friends and and coworkers, but a lot of times we were we would have college kids who we would wait and we're kind of at the mercy of their schedule, so we would cobble together like two maybe three people coming different days a week, so that it would work around their class schedule, which we completely understood, and our crazy schedules, so. Yeah, it's difficult. I know some people have live in nannies just to help make that work, because if you have to get up in the middle of the night and go to work, you just, you have to have somebody there. And a lot of days, if there's a snow day, you know, you've got to have that person there. So because we still have to go to work or 100% Yeah. So yeah, it's, it can be really difficult.
0: It's so difficult. So I I completely respect your decision to be able to be home with your kiddos, especially like you said all your family is still back in Missouri. Yeah.
1: Yeah, and it's, you know, I I felt nudged to make this move for a while. I think there's always that that guilt of that you're not giving as much as you want to at work. You're not giving as much as you want to at home. So I I have felt this tug for several years. I knew my kids wanted me to make this move. And I think it just really quarantine just was the final, the bang over the head that (laughs) I needed to, to realize because you work so hard, you build your career. I didn't want to walk away, but I also wanted to spend more time with my family. So part-time was able to help me kind of bridge that gap for several years. And I'm so grateful for that. I, it just became really clear that I needed to be even more present. What do you, what do you miss the most? Just being a part, there's so much going on right now. Just being, well, I miss my friends in the newsroom. I still text them sometimes, even while they're on the air during commercial breaks. Um, but Just being in the thick of it, in the middle of it, when everything's going down, you're the one who is sharing this vital information with your viewers. You're the first to see it and let everybody know in the community what's going on. And people's lives have literally depended on it, especially for the last few months. Things were... It's the busiest time I can ever remember in this business with uh, as quarantine, as things were slowly shutting down. I remember at first being just shocked that what? I remember Berea College shut down. Do you remember that? And I thought, wow, yep. what in the world? That was kind of the first step. And then it was literally almost minute by minute. Things were changing so fast and
0: furious. And it's just, I, I don't. I remember the day they we got the email from corporate saying that they were shutting down our office, and we were had to work from home. That next week we were all like, "This is only gonna last a week. This is only gonna last a week, right?" And it's been seven and a half months, it's almost right. eight. Initially, yeah, it was. Things kept changing so fast. Like thinking back to how we looked at. Quarantine, lockdown, pandemic, virtual learning back in March versus now. I'm just like, can we stop criticizing each other? Look at what we've learned how to do in six months. Usually if we had tried to get people to do that, it would have taken years, six months to learn how to adjust to virtual learning, being working from home, running a business from home, like how to do so many things and then enter in everything else going on this year with politics, but it's Brianna Taylor. I mean, I don't think I've, I keep telling people I have to figure out how to do my job a different way every day.
1: Yeah, it is really, I mean, it's it's been beyond difficult in so many ways. And I feel for so many business owners mm-hmm. who have just lost so
0: much because they just weren't able to make this work. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, on the flip side of what do you miss the most? And I know that you'll answer this in a nice way, even still, what do you not miss about working in the media? (laughs) Honestly, I
1: feel like even working part-time, it went beyond, I would spend hours at night or on weekends preparing for interviews, keeping up with everything going on. I've been able to just be less anxious and relax a little bit more. And that allows me to be more present at home too. not having to be, I really was shutting everything down 1130 every morning just to get ready to go to work. So really four hours at work would turn into eight hours or more of preparation or social media. So I just feel like, for the first time, I've been able to be fully present, so I guess just the as much as I loved the adrenaline and being in the middle of everything, a lot of times the first to to learn what's going on and it's your responsibility to share it, I'm able to just relax now and be in a different place in life and be present for my kids and not that was really. That took over so much of my life. I feel like I wasn't doing nearly enough here at
0: home, if that makes sense. Oh, no. It, <laughs> even though I've been working from home since March, trust me, I still feel that even right now. <laughs> I mean, it's oh, gosh, it's so. And you talked about that a little bit. People have, it's amazing
1: what so many people have done to adapt. And I mean, it's leading to just revolutionary changes, some for the good. Sadly, some not, but yeah, it's led to real eye-opening aha moments um, in one way or another for me included.
0: Exactly. And I mean, there there's the silver lining. And as much as it is very difficult for me to work from home with kids and virtual learning and a baby, I've also gotten to be around my kids more this year while working from home, especially my baby, more than I ever have before, ever. Right. And right. so... That's what my mom constantly reminds me. She's like, I know you feel guilty that you're going in your office and you're working. She was like, but you're still home and around your kids more than you ever have been. And I was like, you're right. You're right. I think I just read a headline the other yesterday that that moms are like the shock absorbers of everything, just like in your car, the shocks, like we, we have to absorb and continue to go to work or get food on the table or make money or take care of the kids or be their teacher or help assist them with virtual learning and support them. Like you just have to keep absorbing the shock waves and keep moving and keep moving. And I think, I wonder where anxiety comes from. <laughs> no kidding. And when you're working from home, I,
1: there's something always to be done. Laundry, I'm in a mess in my kitchen right now. Dishes. I mean, there is always something. That's another thing I need to get. I've let so many things go in this house for years. Now I feel like I'm buried with catching up in my house. But yeah, I think that's one of the difficult things working from home. Yeah, you're just full of anxiety all the time because you're working. You're with your kids. They're constantly needing or wanting something. And I don't know about you, but my house is just a wreck most days so there's always that feeling
0: in the face too it my house becomes a wreck during the day as the kids of course meander about and make messes and then it's like at the end of every night my husband and I are trying to pick up and my husband is so good about coming home and I'm and he'll be he always says he wants to get the house back to better homes and gardens clean at the end of every night Because it gives him anxiety to see it super messy, which obviously I appreciate because I certainly would like some help in that realm. Um, I think that's great. Yeah, because I feel guilty because I'm like, I know I've been home all day, but I've been running around getting the kids together, their schoolwork, and then back in and out of meetings. And then I had to leave the house for a meeting. And then the baby, I had to put her down for a nap. Mm -hmm. And it's just a... It is a constant thing. So, yes, I am very thankful that he uh, appreciates doing dishes and whatnot. (laughs) I I don't know how you're doing it. That's you've got your hands full for sure. sure. We yes, it's. It's it's a challenging year that's to say the least. I think it's an ebb and flow of some days are great, some days I literally feel as if the weight of the world is on my shoulders and I'm yeah. falling underneath the water of I don't know how to get out of this. And then the next day will correct it. And typically if work's got me one way, I will go spend time with my kids, go walk around outside and typically that will alleviate some. Yeah. Um, good. But it's a hard it's hard. And then you're right, something will change minute by minute and it's like what do you do? Um, and I, I mean, the NTI learning's now been extended, so I mean, parents are now like dealing with the weight of that. <laughs> That's difficult, even under the best of circumstances. I feel
1: like, and if you have a child who has difficulties in any way, it's just magnified
0: tenfold. That's oh, completely because we're we're not not that teachers are expecting us to be teachers, but if the teachers aren't here able to give one-on-one with those students, it comes back to the parents and we're out of our realm of oh, what we know. Right. I mean, fifth grade math for me was,
1: wow. I wasn't a math whiz when I was in fifth grade and now everything's done a different way. Oh my gosh. I don't know who was more frustrated, me or
0: myself <laughs> with fifth grade math. Oh, I guarantee it. I mean, I my nephew was here doing virtual learning, and he's thirteen, and it very quickly was like, all right. To my husband, I was like, "You've got algebra, right? I'll take Spanish, <laughs> language arts, and anything else he has, but right. you
1: take it. <laughs> absolutely the math." Oh gosh, yes, I would have gladly handed that off if I could. Love it. Well, it's you know part of it is just finding a new way, and hopefully, you've done this. You've had to uh, just navigating a new world and finding a way to make it work. I've never not worked since I was 16 years old. So this is so new for me. Um, Just what do I do during the day? I'm so used to having a schedule and a set routine every day. I think I oddly enough kind of overbooked myself with coffees and lunches and appointments and meetings with friends, which was great to catch up and see a lot of people I haven't been able to see in a while. But A friend of mine said, you know, you need to just take at least one day a week to do nothing, decompress, catch your breath, take care of your house. And I thought that's great advice. So I think everybody, uh, lots of people are navigating a new world and just trying to figure out what works in a new normal, which is clearly going to be this way for some time, I feel.
0: I, I totally agree with you, and I, I seven months ago none of us would have ever believed any of this would be possible, mm-hmm. and here we are. Mm-hmm. I do agree with you, like I've been home for a year now between maternity leave and working from home, and it's funny how much I do as much as I want to leave and go play i I don't like having too many things in a row on certain days like I need to have certain days where I know I'm not leaving the house, which mm-hmm. there are a lot of them, and sometimes I probably should leave the house more mm-hmm. but Right. I can imagine in your in your case, I would have probably done the same thing. I've been working since I was 16. I am a busybody. I want to go do all the things I've never had time to before. But then you left out time for you. Right. That's <laughs> right. That's right. And I'm I'm been serving on a
1: board that I'm going to continue working with. So that's great. And I'll be able to devote more time to um, co-chair charities and things like that too, giving back not only to my family but to others, hopefully too.
0: I'm so happy to hear you're doing so well and taking time with your family. I have, I can remember don't, and I, this is, I can remember growing up watching Fox 41 and my parents know exactly who you are because as soon as I said, they were like, oh, we've been watching her. I was like, I know. <laughs> and I've always looked up to you and it was always amazing to me when I got to be more of a peer at different events that we happen to be together. And now you coming on my podcast means the world to me. And your story is inspirational. And I even talked to you yesterday to prep for this and I'm finding out even more things as we go along. So Aww. you're just wonderful. And I know that you're going to continue to inspire people and do what you do. So just thank you for taking the time today to join me.
1: Well, Sarah, I so appreciate everything you're doing too. And I feel the same way. And thank you so much. I'm so glad I could join you and keep up, um, keep up the good work at home and work. I know it's difficult, but you're doing a great job and So are all the other parents out there who are just trying to feel their way through this months later, months longer
0: than we expected. Months longer than we expected. But the one thing is about 2020, we are all in it together. That's right. That's right. Well, it's been
1: a pleasure to chat with you today. And thank you for having me.
0: Thank you for listening to That Mom Life. Subscribe now on Apple and Google Podcasts and leave a rating.